right, and hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Boston Celtics podcast. And it's I, your host, Lucas Gaynor, here once again, joined by my wonderful co-host, Patrick Lansbury. I gotta say, it's been a sad day for Patrick as an Aaron Neesmith stand, but I think it's been a wonderful day for uh, Celtics Nation in general. Pat, you know, we'll get into the details of Pat with Aaron Neesmith on his way over to the Indiana Pacers, man. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm indifferent. I am sad to see Aaron Neesmith go, but I'm also excited for Aaron Neesmith's uh, development. I think he's going to develop into a solid player in Indiana alongside a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who I like a lot as well. Lucas and I both been high on Tyrese. We, we praised him a few times on the podcast. But, man, mm-hmm. landing Malcolm Brogdon for – Couple development players and a top sixteen protected first round pick. You're you're talking about um, this is like potential. It has potential to be a home run for Brad Stevens, but at least in hindsight, it's definitely at least a double in that sense. And uh, I'm sure we have uh, different reasons why we might think it's not quite a home run just yet because there's also some concernings around Malcolm Brock. Well, yeah, I mean, but as of right now. You know, the great it's a home run to me, honestly, right now. I mean, how it stands today, because the Celtics ended up trading Daniel Tice, who is arguably our only bad contract, Aaron Neesmith, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz and Juwan Morgan. And like you said, the top 16 protected 2023 pick to the Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon, who last year averaged 19, five rebounds a game and six uh, assists a game. You know, Brogdon. He can get his own bucket. He can create for others. He's a bigger guard, too. He's about six, five. Um, you know, he fills a lot of the different holes the Celtics need. Um, and the reason why I say, Pat, for me, it's like right now I'm viewing it as a home run, you know, and it's being reviewed in the booth if if a fan reached over the wall and grabbed it, um, is because we didn't give up very much. Honestly, Pat, to me, we gave up a first-round pick that's top 16 protected and a questionable third big and then a player who we don't know if he's really cut out for the NBA, and that's your boy Aaron Neesmith. And listen, I think Aaron has potential, but we haven't seen anything you know, to stamp him as an NBA player right now. So I'm loving this move. However, it is, has to be said, uh, <clears throat> Malcolm Brogdon does have an injury history in his career. You know, the last, last few seasons, he's averaged around 43, 44 games. Um, you know, he coming off, you know, some sort of Achilles injury from last season, not a torn Achilles or a ruptured Achilles, nothing like that. But he was having issue, you know, on and off throughout the year with the Achilles. So, that is, Patrick, probably why you reeled it back into a double. But for me right now, like, as far as the risk-reward, I think the reward absolutely blows the risk out of the water. Uh, I actually, yeah, I, I love the I love the move and love the potential of it. And also, like, with his injury history, he's kind of landing in a, a pretty big spot where he won't be asked to play 30-plus minutes. So he can kind of almost play in more of a, a comfortable conditioning load for somebody who has an injury history. I think that's why uh, I kind of like the deal a lot. And I just like the opportunity of what Brad Stevens is addressing as far as the needs for the Celtics. We, we talked about how the playmaking, we need something like that. We need a person who's a little bit more under control with turnovers and can compose themselves and run the offense and ball handle the heat checks that off. He's not a small guy at all. You know, Brogdon has a really nice frame as well, and he's he's a really solid defender, uh, a lot more than people give him credit for. And you surround him uh, around a guy, group of guys that are – um, number one defensive style type guys. And he becomes a, a six man. It seems like how they want to kind of use him. We'll kind of go more into that where we, we think he would be fit better. But I mean, if that's the role that they want him to play. And he ends up playing the six man. You're talking about a guy probably is going to be the best six man in the league possibly. So um, just a lot of up, upside play here and allowing the Celtics to address a lot of things that kind of hurt them late in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just you know, quickly on Brogdon, Brogdon, you know, um, before I kind of look at the uh, – have a big picture thing to say is that Brogdon right now, um, as far as last year is concerned, would have been the best pick-and-roll player, um, you know, according to NBA stats, you know, play-type data, uh, looking at pick-and-roll ball handler stats. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon will had averaged 1.02 points per possession – which would have been 0.07 higher than the Celtics number one guy, uh, which was Jason Tatum at 0.95. Uh, you know, Smart and Derek White were, you know, in the 0.7, 0.8 range. Um, Jalen was 0.9, but, you know, they don't run it that frequently either. 
Malcolm Brogdon, 40% of his possessions were in the pick and roll as a ball handler. So I think that's one big thing Celtics fans should be very happy about. He is our best pick and roll ball handler on the team now. You know, I think Smart is capable. I think White is capable. I think Jason and Jalen are both capable as well. But Brogdon is a more sound decision maker. And uh, I really do believe that he's going to be the best pick and roll guy on our team. Now, Pat, what I just want to say about our guy, Blockbuster Brad, real quick. Um, Pat, you know, we kind of discussed, you know, what the Celtics needed, right? We discussed they needed some scoring off the bench. They needed, you know, probably a lot of people are saying they need a point guard. They need to add some playmaking. Um, We needed to add a wing. We needed to add some shooting. And we needed to add some size. Now, not to bury the lead here, but Brad did that with two moves. The Brogdon move, right? That takes care of some playmaking, right? He's Like I just said, he's a terrific pick-and-roll ball handler. That takes care of some shot creation and scoring as well. You know, we were looking at guys like Burks or Jordan Clarks and things of that nature. Well, Brogdon can do that. You know, maybe he's not an absolute bucket getter like Jordan Clarkson, but no doubt he can create for himself and he can make shots, you know, off ball as well, you know, in spot-up situations. So Brad knocked out two of those things there, right? And then he's six five. you know, no one's going to call Brogdon a wing, right? But he's got some size to him as well. Um, and the other move, Pat, that I'm going to bring up now, if you're ready to talk about it, is Danilo Gallinari. You know, we can hold it for later or we can kind of bring it up now and kind of go back and forth, whatever you want to do. But Gallinari, six foot ten, who can, you know, he doesn't really take you off the dribble as much anymore as he used to, but he's six foot ten. There goes the size. He's a decent rebounder. You know, nobody's pretending he's a small ball five, but Brad addressed size there. He can also get you a bucket. That's what he does. He's a bucket getter. So Brad, once again, addresses the need for, you know, some offensive creation. Underrated part of Gallinari's game is creation. He's not going to, you know, be a primary ball handler or anything like that. But if he attacks a closeout and there's a passing lane, Gallinari's a skilled enough passer to make that pass. So I think, Pat, you know, the way I see it, I was kind of looking at, how can we get a player to individually fix these needs? When Brad is looking for players that fix multiple needs at one time, and that's why Brad's sitting up in that chair, and that's why me and you are doing the podcast. So I just want to say, you know, Brad Stevens, phenomenal job. I think he really attacked, you know, the Celtics' problems the way you should attack them, looking for, you know, versatile guys who can do multiple things. And I really think he hit the nail on the head, man. I really do. Sorry for rambling a little there, Pat. No, no, man. Go off. Go off. I mean, the praise for Brad Stevens deserves such a rambling, man. Uh, we, we talk about uh, in the past that we, we felt like we've had the opportunity to probably add to our team and make moves, and it always seemed like we were close to move, close to move, and never got things done. And I, I think it's just refreshing to see some really big moves going. And, and we also talk about how the ownership is willing to dive into the tax as well. And you mentioned it before the show. It's the second time they've done it since – you know, KG has been on the Boston Celtics. And uh, that's just kind of a, a very impressive thing that they're allowing now. But also, like, they're going to take advantage of that. Brad has a lot more room to work with. He can go in there. And, and we still have a TPE. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that they'll ever use it. But it still is there to the disposal. They still have some rosters to uh, spots to take up. They still have, like, four other roster spots that they can put some minimum contracts on as well. Um, so there's still some areas for this team to even prove any more, even more. And uh, a guy that I know we're both really high on left is, is a Thomas Bryant guy. If, if they're able to snag him for a minimal uh, contract too, even like a one year kind of prove it deal uh, that could be huge, you know, wait a year, man, you know, Al Horford's going to be off his contracts. Maybe we sign him back for cheaper as, as like a little vet um, presence on the bench. And maybe Thomas Bryant can move into that. I don't know what type of uh, thing to say to persuade Thomas Bryant, but as somebody I'd love to, complete a what i would consider a a perfect summer and only three weeks into uh or three days into the free agency i think that could be a home run right there for overall summer uh but yeah man i'm excited to see where brogdon is and where gallo is as far as role goes for brogdon and gallo where's some some things you were kind of thinking of as far as how they should be used oh i mean you know, as I mentioned, I think Brogdon is a guy who can really, you know, run some pick and roll, um, you know, kind of, and he said this himself, you know, he's the type of guy who can kind of settle down the offense, you know, when the game gets sped up a little bit, Brogdon's a guy who plays at his own pace, you know, which I really love to see that in a player. So I think not only will he be able to be used that way, we know that Jalen and Jason and Marcus are all going to have the ball in their hands to some degree. 
And this is the one of the things that makes Brogdon very appealing to me is Brogdon is a terrific catch and shoot spot up shooter. So if Jason breaks down the defense, Brogdon's guy helps off him. Brogdon can catch and shoot pretty quickly with the hand in his face like it's not there. You know, this is a guy who previously, you know, I know this is a few years ago, but previously was in the 50-40-90 club. There are not many names of people who have shot 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. So you know he's a very efficient player. So I think I really like the Brogdon fit because he can be playing on the ball, but he can also excel being played off the ball as well. And it really seems like from some of his comments that he's willing to, you know, take whatever role he's given and he's ready to be just on a winning team. And I can absolutely respect that. And then Gallinari, you know, this is a guy who maybe people are concerned about a little bit because he's his foot speed. You know, he's not a good defender straight up. Like I just, he's not a really good defender. Um, I would call him like, you know, slightly, he's below average. Um, but you know, he has size, he has some length, he'll fight a little bit and, you know, you're surrounding him with four good defenders pretty much every other time he's on the court. So I'm not super worried about that and where we should be thinking about Gallinari is on the offensive end, Pat. Absolutely. Um, like I said, Matty, six foot 10, knock down over 40% three point shooter. Um, you know, I've been a fan of this guy since back in the day when he was coming off the bench for the Knicks, you know, before he got traded for Mello. Um, you know, there's not too many Italian hoopers out here, so it was always good to see a, a Italian hooper. But, you know, he's a bucket man. He can create He can create a little bit, like I said. He doesn't really take guys off the dribble like he used to. You know, he is 34, um, but he can still do it occasionally. Um, you know, I saw one highlight that I sent to Pat of him dropping Jackson Hayes. So, you know, if you try to put some size on him, a bigger guy, he still has enough, enough wiggle to free himself and get a wide open jumper after sending the guy to the floor. So Gallo to me is going to be a catch and shoot guy. And then when our offense is really stalling, like we saw this past season, you know, we'll tell yo, Hey Gallo, go get us a bucket. That's something he's more than capable of. So I think Brogdon's fit overall is phenomenal. And I think Gallinari is really going to be that guy who can kind of help us, you know, Give us that extra punch when we're lacking on offense, right? So, you feel the same? Uh, anything I missed? Uh, no, I mean, I I pretty much uh, back behind uh, everything you stated there, as well. Just like uh, people just need to understand that, like Brogdon is not even really there to be point guard necessarily, but to have another ball handler accessible. So, I still think a lot of the time Derek White might be the main ball handler and setting up the offense and stuff, but then the, there will be also options as well. Like it, it also helps Derek White in a lot of ways where it takes a lot of a lot of pressure off of him now. You know, the thing with having two players uh, in Marcus Smart and Derek White, they were both just kind of like the only ball handlers at the time and they could rarely even play on the court together to give each other breaks. So they're really main ball handlers a lot of the time. And with a guy like Brogdon now, three ball handlers is a solid amount of guys just to kind of really take control of the rock and slow things down. And that doesn't even um, count, you know, Tatum and, and Brown take another jump in that area. So just the ability for more guys to get buckets as well. Uh, Brogdon is a guy that damn near or averaged 20 points per game last year. You know, at 19 points per game, he's a guy who can go out there and get you buckets and um, play make and, and take care of the basketball. But he does things in such an efficient way. I always said that he's like a almost like a guard version of Kevin Durant in the fence in the sense of efficiency. Like he'll go out there and he'll get you like 15 points on like six shots. And then, you know, he'll end up, you know, just getting you like five assists and, and some rebounds and, you just go, all right, cool. He just played like, you know, 18, 32 minutes or somewhere around there. And he's just out there going to give you a nice solid line, but he's also not going to turn over the ball. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes and he's also not like super young. So he's an experienced NBA player. And then you go into the Gallo situation. You're talking about adding a vet. Now, finally, we got another guy in this roster who's been around the league for a lot longer than most players. And he also adds shooting and he automatically becomes like one of our top three best shooters from the outside. And, He's going to allow the for the team to play a little bit more space wise and and shoot a lot more threes like they were already doing, but at a more efficient rate. So you add a guy like Brogdon, you add a guy like Gallo, and you're just looking at you know really maximizing the efficiency of the offense you try to run by adding guys who are better at efficient things that you're trying to do anyway. So just a lot of things that I think the Celtics addressed 
And there's no reason why that the you know Vegas odds all of a sudden threw the Celtics as the number one team right now, uh, based off of that Brogdon trade. And just quickly to build off of what you said, Pat, about I have some numbers for you. There's some great numbers here. Uh, you know, Galinar, you mentioned he's one of our best three shooters on the team. Absolutely, that is going to be the case here. Um, last four seasons, you know, I'll give you the attempts and the percentage. In 2018-19, he took five and a half threes a game. He shot 43%. In 2019-20, he took seven threes a game and made 41%. In 2021, he took five, made 41% again. And then last year, he dipped all the way down to 38%. I'm obviously being facetious. 38% on four and a half attempts is still good. You know, especially when he was in a situation that didn't seem necessarily ideal, like when he was in, uh, you know, potentially in LAC or in OKC balling. Um, But, you know, he's instantly going to be one of our best shooters, Pat. And I think something to look for as well with Gallo is he's a sneaky good passer. He really is. He's not – obviously, I'm not looking for him to initiate offense. I'm not looking for him to, like, be the high post, you know, like Al Horford kind of look for cutters and things. No. It's when the play breaks down or when he breaks down his man or when he gets the ball and the ball's swinging around the outside, he's going to make the right pass. He can make crafty passes in the paint too. And I think, you know, watching a couple games back from him, you know, that I had recorded, I really noticed that, wow, I think I was underrating Gallinari as a passer. So I think that's something we should be looking forward to as well. I might even like uh, tweak it a little bit in the sense that not only is he a good passer, but I think he's just a high IQ player, right? We look at Al Horford and you go, well, he, you could say he's a good passer, but in reality, what makes him a good passer is that he's a high IQ player. When you're a high IQ player, you just make the right play. And sometimes those passes are just shown to be like, wow, he's, he can really pass. But it's also the sense that like he just read the defense also very well. And I think Gallo does a very good job of that. So definitely added two guys, I feel like, who have really good basketball IQs. So they're not going to be there not you know taking bad shots, but they can get you really good looks sometimes. And they can also knock down the good looks that they get. So it's just kind of like an overall, we just picked up two guys that really help us offensively. And one of the guys that make us step back just a, a smidge on defense, but we have so much defense already. We knew that we were going to have to sacrifice a little to get some offense. And I don't even think we're sacrificing as much as like you would have thought for the amount of offense we just got. And the thing is, Pat, is it's, it's one thing to sacrifice, you know, that defense where say it's a player that can get, you know, let's say it's like a, a big man who can't, you know, they're going to put in pick and roll every time and he's going to get absolutely cooked or a small guard. Who's just going to get hunted over and over and over again. You know, Gallinari, uh, like I said, is his foot speed, not amazing, but he's not no lumbering seven foot three, 300 pound big man. You know, he can move a little bit and he is certainly not small, you know, being six foot 10, so I do like, you know, even though that he obviously, like I mentioned, not a terrific defender, below average defender. He still has that size and length to make him like at least a body. You're not just throwing out some guy who can get shoved around or some guy who can just get shot over the top of every single time. Um, so I do like that. You know, I'm sure, you know, there will be moments where people are growing about his defense throughout the year. But I think with Danilo, for me, the positive far outweighs any sort of negative with him. So I'm really glad we ended up with him, Pat. It was a two-year, $12 million contract he's expected to sign. Um, and, you know, I think that's really good value. And, you know, people might be complaining about, oh, well, Gallinari's not this and not that. Well, Pat, when you break it down, $6 million a year, you know, if you can do everything, you're not getting paid $6 million a year in the NBA. You're going to get paid a lot more, right? So at the end of the day, I think for what he cost, I absolutely love it. We got him for two years. And, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago, Pat, we finally got another vet in the room. I was actually, you know, just doing my due diligence on Gallo. You know, I've, I've been a big fan for a while, but, you know, I was just doing a little digging. And I saw this, I happened to come across this clip of him when he was on the Clippers. And, you know, I, I believe this was from 2018, 19. You know, this is that scrappy Clippers team that made the eight seed, uh, you know, before Paul George, before Kawhi. And they and a reporter asked him, what have you been telling the young guys? Um you know, and he just said to stay focused, stay locked in, keep your head down. So he had a really good answer. So to me, it feels like he's going to be great for these young guys. Um, you know, Gallo, he's not necessarily, I wouldn't call him like a, a vocal leader or like super outspoken, but he's not going to just keep to himself too. You know, so I really will appreciate that veteran presence in the locker room. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as well as what he brings on the court, I think it's going to be phenomenal. 
And honestly, Pat, I'm kind of, you couldn't tell, I'm on kind of cloud nine after yesterday. Um, because listen, I don't, I think these two signings, when they, when they both, or the signing in the trade, when they both happened and I like stepped back and looked them, I realized I was looking at it way too like piece by piece by piece to fix our issues. When, like I mentioned, Brad looked for one player to fix multiple issues instead of multiple players to fix multiple issues. And I think we landed in a really good spot. And if we can secure a good third big, um, I think it would be terrific, Pat. And Pat, I know who, who do you want mostly in your, in your uh, say this was fantasy world, you know, within reason, of course, who is your number one guy that you would pick for the Celtics to bring in as that third big man? I think I know what you're going to say. But. Oh, yeah, Jakob Pertl. Jakob Pertl from the San Antonio Spurs, uh, a guy who is, you know, one of the top centers in, in rim, rim protection in the league. Uh, he plays his role very well. He's he's pretty much just like a defensive anchor. Uh, played really well for San Antonio. Did a lot of uh, good things for them on their defensive side of things as a, as a rim protector. I would be ecstatic to get Jakob Pertl, um if that was uh, possibly on the table. I just uh, loved his game. I, I think he just plays a significant role, and he would be the ultimate Al Horford replacement You know, next year where Al Horford uh, – contracts end. Um, now, I'm not saying that next year that we don't resign Al Horford. I, I think there's a huge possibility that Al Horford might retire a Celtic at this point in his career with how the team is kind of going and directed. It's like, if you, especially if we were competing for championships right now, you know, Al Horford might be like, this is my last big contract. Like, I'm cool with riding some vet minimums or, or like, kind of like doing like a, like a Haslam or an Andre Iguodala type situation where they're just like, I'll be a veteran on the team that might play like five to, you know, 12 minutes sometimes and, and give you my all, but also I'm here for some veteran shit off the bench. So um, just, just kind of on the a watch of that, but yeah, Yaka Pertle would have been uh would be like my ideal fit. And uh, I think Thomas Bryant would be a, a cool second. I don't know if either one of those are possible, but uh, I'd, I'd love them both. Yeah. So, I mean, Pertle, would be terrific. You know, I'll get into the reasons why he does make sense and why he doesn't make sense. Pat, you hit a lot of the reasons why he does make sense. Um, another reason why it makes sense, he, he does fit into the TPE, right? Um, you know, it wouldn't count against us, right? You could slide right in there. It's not, you know, he fits in for about half the TPE, but who cares really? You know, if he fits into the TPE, that's good enough. Another reason, the Spurs, you know, obviously they recently traded DeJounte Murray for three picks and a pick swap. And they, the Spurs are, you know, going in a rebuilding direction. You know, the greatest prospect since LeBron James is going to be in the draft next year. And it feels like a lot of teams who are not really close to competing or who are maybe fighting for the play-in are going in that opposite direction and saying, you know what, we're just going to let our young guys go out there no matter the cost, you know, because it's going to give us a chance at Victor Wembanyama. Um, you know, folks look into him if he hasn't. Basically, Rudy Gobert with a dribble package and a jumper. Not going to go any farther than that. Um, but so it could be, it could be realistic that they're trying to get rid of Yaka Pertle. So maybe a first round pick and a pick swap, maybe with the Spurs, you know, Brad and, uh, and pop have already done some business. Maybe they're on each other's lines again, but Pat, the reason in which why it doesn't make much sense to me. Right. And we already talked about this earlier, me and you, uh, on Twitter is what Yaka Pertle would actually cost at the end of the day, uh, financially. He only makes about nine. Only makes about nine million dollars, right? Right. Phen- phenomenal salary, right, for a player of his caliber. However, you know the Celtics are now a tax team. You know, shout out to Wick Grosbeck for paying that tax. You know, thirty-five million dollars is a big bill, right? That's what we're going to pay right now, I believe. Um, but Jakob, although he was only nine million dollars in salary, when you factor in the tax, um, which I believe. If the Celtics brought in Pirtle without sending out too much salary, it would be $3.75 for every dollar. So when you do the math there, that $9 million turns into about $35 million. So really, at the end of the day, you'd be paying a $9 million player $35 million. Um, and I can understand why maybe, you know, that's something that, you know, the ownership doesn't really want to do. Uh, you know, I totally understand why. You know, I think he would be a phenomenal addition basketball-wise, but financially I can understand why they might want to shy away from him and opt more for a guy like you mentioned, Thomas Bryant, on a vet min, about $3 million. Uh, he would not cost you $35 million. So I think that's probably why it's unlikely to happen. However, if Jakob ended up a Celtic, 
if I'm on cloud nine today, Pat, I'll be on cloud 16 that day. Okay. We traded for him. Okay. Because that would really just complete our roster. We will be 11 men deep, you know, and, and legitimately 11 men deep in my opinion, you know, with Grant being our 10th man, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal rotation, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Brad really sees the need to get, you know, to, to get the third biggest super high priority. You know, I know it's what everybody and their mom is saying right now, Pat. And I do think it has to be addressed. But, you know, I wonder if he just thinks maybe Grant is going to take some of those five minutes away from Al and uh, and Horford. Um, maybe Danilo can play a little bit of small ball five. That's not necessarily something I love that idea of, uh, but I could see it potentially maybe happening. Um, so maybe, you know, it, it's a while before we bring in that center. Maybe it's not as high priority as we like to maybe think it is. And, Pat, you know I love my guy Trayvon Williams out of Purdue undrafted rookie. So we'll see him in summer league coming up. So I just wonder if it's going to be a little while before we bring that guy in, I think. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely is. And and I think that overall that the Celtics team is just – they made some big moves, man. And, and the prices of bringing in some more guys, that's why we both think it's less likely that that TPE gets used. Um, I do think that the Celtics, though, uh, are going to be pretty – they're a pretty enticing place now if you're a vet trying to get, like, a, a vet minimum. Like, if you want to go and compete for a championship now, is that – like, the Celtics, you look at that their roster now and you look at the success from last year, they got to be a team you feel like as a vet. Like, that's uh, that's a team I could definitely see going to. Uh, uh, another name that isn't, isn't going to be super popular – and you might not even like it as well, but it's something that I kind of like for the regular season on a vet man um, is even like signing a guy like DeMarcus Cousins is cool for a third big, you know, for the regular season, uh, just to get minutes off of uh, guys like Robert Williams or get, give them games off sometimes at times. Or, you know, in a regular season, there's no telling me that you can't have DeMarcus Cousins play like 15 minutes in a regular season game and, and still win the game. Like it's not going to be that bad of a point. And you surround him with so many other good defenders. It's not like, DeMarcus is the worst of all defenders. He's just going to get caught up in pick and rolls at times. And, and also like, you know, he's just going to play big. He's still like a brute force on the block. It's not like a, a big man's just going to push him around or anything like that. So it kind of gives us a little bit more grit and grind. So that's another name out there that I, I wouldn't be too mad at. I just hope that he's not our third big for playoffs times. You know, I, I, if he takes up one of those spots as like a vet, I'm cool with that too. Or even also a guy who can get like five minutes, six minutes here or there sometimes is, is a Blake Griffin as well who's a free agent. I wouldn't even mind that at this point. All right, all right, all right. You lost me with Blake Griffin with all due respect. You know, I think I'm much more in on the boogie train than I would be with Blake Griffin. Um, and I think boogie's probably a little more realistic. You know, listen, I don't love boogie like that bringing him to Boston, but, I mean, like you're saying, 10, 12 minutes in the regular season, 15 minutes, the guy can still get buckets, man. I, I I don't think that's up for a debate. It's really the defense that is obviously the worrisome part. Um, but, you know, I was calling for a tough guy in the playoffs, a guy who's not taking any BS, a guy who will get in somebody's face for his teammates. And there's no doubt about them. DeMarcus Cousins is that guy. And I, I did – I love Boogie, man. He was one of my favorite players. You know, when he was on the Kings, he was in that terrible situation. And then he got to the Pelicans. Him and AD were awesome. And then he hurt himself. And, you know, he just has been really bad defensively since some of those injuries. Alas, I wouldn't hate bringing him in, Pat, and the Vetman. I don't see any problem with that. Um, You know, if Thomas Bryan ends up going to the Lakers, like I think he might, um, you know, I wouldn't be too mad at Boogie. You know, I think I think I could live with that. Blake Griffin now, listen, I think Blake Griffin's a funny guy. I've seen some of his stand-up comedy, and I think that's the lane he should go <laughs> looking forward. Um, I think that that would be, uh, you know, I think Boogie would be a lot better than Blake, probably, for us. That's me personally. I don't hate Boogie that. And honestly, I used to be on the anti-Boogie train, okay, but I'm coming around. I'm more so just thinking of, like, guys that could give Horford and, you know, Robert Williams days off. And if you told me, like, at some point that, like, we had to throw out, like, 15 minutes of Boogie and, and Blake Griffin, like, I, I still don't think that's, like, terrible during a regular season. But I don't think any of one of them would become playable during the playoffs. I mean, yeah, like, you're, you're talking about guys who are, like, 
you know, 12th and, and 13 men on the roster, but also like an opportunity, like, you know, those guys sometimes have to play 15 minutes when a uh, Robert Williams is out new, due to like knee soreness or, or just a rest and Al Horford. It's been playing too many minutes and you kind of just want to throw a body out there at this point. It's in the regular season game against, you know, LKC or, or Houston and you're out 15, you know, it's like, you could throw guys out like that that are still comfortable that aren't just going to blow the lead and, and can put bodies out there and still be kind of skillful. And they're veterans is what I also right. like. Like um, You can say whatever you want to say about Blake Griffin as a, a basketball player, but we can all agree that in that first you know series against the Nets that we just you know swept them in. Like When Blake came in, yeah, he was a liable on defense, but he had some offensive moments. But yeah, the big thing about moments. him is that he brought energy, right? You got a vet coming in, bringing energy that can always jolt the group of guys, even if it's for two, three minutes. We talked about it at some games that, like, you know, we were looking for a guy to throw in there. And I even, um, we even mentioned, uh, you know, Aaron Eastman maybe for like one or two minutes just to get some energy going. Like, Blake Griffin's a veteran. You want two, three minutes to get a jolt in some guys. That that's possibly something I have as well. That's that's something that intrigues me about him in general is that he seems to like really play with a lot of energy and effort, and it just kind of fits the style of like veteranship that I would want on our team. Like him cheering, you know, younger guys diving and, and falling for the ball. I just like I would like a little bit more veteran presence um, to fill out the rest of this roster. No, and listen, I joke about Blake Griffin stand up comedy. You know, listen. Blake Griffin is not that much worse than Boogie, so I really can't, you know, at the end of the day, be super far out on Blake and be in on Boogie. Uh, you know, credit to Blake Griffin, though. He's actually a funny guy. Go check it out. You know, he's a funny dude. Props to him. But, uh, no, I wouldn't hate Blake, Pat. I mean, listen, he can get some buckets. Like you said, he was definitely a defensive liability. You know, Jalen was treating him like barbecue chicken in the playoffs. But Blake made up, like, 10 of those points right back by hitting some open threes, getting them, getting to the cup. So, I'm okay with that necessarily because at the end of the day, Pat, we can be real about it. The big man market left in free agency is disgusting, man. It's bad. It's just not good. It is bad. No, I agree with you. I mean, besides like the couple two is like Thomas Bryant, right? And then it's like falls off. And then you got like DeMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge, et cetera. Yeah, and like, and like, listen, the thing is, is I agree. I think it does drop off a cliff after Thomas Bryant. And I don't think Thomas Bryant is that high, you know, to begin with. I think Thomas Bryant is solid. You know, he's coming off the injury. Um, but, you know, I think Thomas Bryant will be good. He's a little more of an offensive big, which I think is like, you know, a nice little twist for us, given our, our big men are, you know, really specialized on defense. So, you know, I would like a little curveball there that I think he would be great, but it really drops off a cliff after him. So, you know, I wonder if they do attempt to use the TPE. Um, you know, I did really like Jalen Smith, you know, um, unfortunately that was a guy I mentioned a couple of times, but he went back to Indiana, you know, to keep growing with that young core. So, you know, my guys, we are the big man on the market. I struck out with personally for my ideas. So, you know, we're looking at Robin Lopez, like you said, LMA, um, Blake, DeMarcus, you know, some older guys, unless, you know, the Celtics opt for, uh, you know, trade, you know, via the TPE, but, I'm with you, Pat. I think using the TPE becomes more and more likely, uh, un- unlikely every single day that passes. And, you know, after accruing the $22.6 million from Brogdon, uh, you know, I just don't see it happening, really. I don't see us bringing in another big contract. Now, I could be wrong. And maybe I even hope I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see it happen. I think at this point you're like, I asked to pay me in the tax. Um, we're $30 million in the tax. I guess I can't ask for more. No, that's what I'm saying, right? Listen, if I get on ownership for not paying the tax, you know, once we're in the tax, I got to be like, all right, you know, shout out to the ownership group. And, you know, you've done what I asked for. So, like, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I can't. I don't want to be greedy. You know what I'm saying? I get that. I get that. I I totally do. My thing is, too, though, is, like, we we talk about Yaku Pro, like, the – reasons why we think he wouldn't get here because of the contract and it being more worth around like 30 something million. than the same time though, like you win a championship, the amount of money you make from the championship outweighs every single extra dollar you had to pay into the tax. At that point, you're talking about the extra home games. You're talking about the, you know, city parade, all that. Like it, it does end up bringing you more, you know, revenue as far as a team and it's not like this team doesn't like sell out the crowd a lot of time, even in the regular season. So uh, you're talking about a team that makes a lot of money for them, even that with how they are. So uh, for me, I'm like, man, I don't think they're even close to a negative netting when it comes to the roster and paying. So my thing is kind of go into 
go into the tax even more at this point. Like you're already in it. Like you're going to end up paying the repeater. Like look at the warriors, man. They <laughs> they pay like an extra, what, like 200 million or something like that. They just pay something crazy. They're so far into that tax bill. It's, it's ridiculous. Cause they've been repeating it for the past like six years or something like that. They, they're just heavily into it. Um, this is the first year you got to really push towards it. If you're the Celtics, you got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown hitting their stride in their mid twenties. Now, um, you went and got a guy like Brogdon. You got Marcus Smart, who's you know late twenties. You got Robert Williams. This is go time, man. The window is open. The window is always smaller than what it may look like in hindsight view. So, uh, if the Celtics want to take advantage of it, this is time to be aggressive. So go out there and and go more into the tax. No, and that's I'm all fair. for it. And listen, I'm not going to disagree with that. In a perfect world, I think that I'm absolutely with you. Now, when it comes to the Warriors, I got to say, those are the tech guys. Those guys are worth a lot of money. And now I'm not saying, you know, Wick is not hurting. You know, he's doing just fine. But these guys over there in the Bay are worth billions and billions of dollars. You know, I think it's a little bit different. You know, they're they're almost playing a different game. I don't I don't want to, like, you know, downplay what the Warriors have accomplished. But, I mean, they they, they had a $388 million payroll. I mean, that is – that's baseball level. That's L.A. Dodgers level stuff right there. Um, but alas, you know, we'll, we'll just wait and see and see if they make a move with the TPE, um, you know, kind of switching gears, Pat, um, have you seen who is on our summer league roster yet? I, I don't know. I if have not, seen. I have not had time to look at the summer league roster yet. So hey, please enlighten me. Well, well, basically, you know, the big guy I want to bring up is, uh, Providence, Providence, uh, colleges, AJ Reeves. Okay. He's on the Celtics, uh, He's on the Celtics Summer League roster, 6'6 guard. You know, I like his game. But the reason why I'm really bringing it up, man, is he's from Roxbury. So it is really, you know, which is which is Boston pretty much, you know, for those who don't know. So pretty much. Uh, so if AJ, um, if AJ Reeves ends up balling out in the Summer League and making our team, that is going to be a super awesome story. I always love to see local guys. You know, that's why I'm a Bruce. I was a Bruce Brown guy. Um, you know, I wanted him to come back home. Um, and that would be really cool to see AJ Reeves make the roster. So listen, I hope he balls out, man. I think that would be really cool. Uh, you know, to see him come back home and play time. I'm sure you would agree. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Listen, I'm not going to act like I was an AJ Reeves expert. Okay. You know, before the, before he joined our summer league team, but you know, now that I, you know, did a little dig, man, it, it is pretty cool. Yeah. Nice to have some, some guys on the summer league team, but it's less likely that, I don't know if anybody on the summer league almost makes the roster in a sense, maybe like there one is. or two. There might be like two guys have a chance. I know we talked to about, yeah, we, we had the the big man as well that we, we really liked and his passing ability and stuff like that. But he could also be one of those end up being our third big. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. An unproven guy, undrafted guy to be our third big in his rookie year. Uh, I would prefer him maybe to be on the 15th, 14th spot on the roster and kind of like, mentor behind a, an Al Horford, Robert Williams and a third big and kind of just see how to be a professional and see if that's like something he could develop into and be like a, a rotational piece. But um, no, the summer league is going to be fun. And, and I feel like we didn't even get a break much, right? We, we jumped right from the finals, free agency, and now we're, summer league has already started and, and we're back to basketball. So it's a lot of, a lot of pressure going on. And uh, the Celtics have been really good. They didn't over, you know, react to people who you know were like oh no moves by the celtics you know day one of free agency and then they they stole the show in day two and next thing you know you get a trade and, and get gala and, and celtics end up you know looking like uh, one of the best teams to compete for a championship now yeah um i just you know a couple more guys like yeah i'm with you pat obviously we don't want to start the season with travion williams being like the third big but you know i do like what he has to bring to the table and i think he can you know evolve a little bit uh, a couple other names on our summer league team i do think there's some intriguing guys obviously our draft pick jd davison electric athletic point guard a lot of bounce a lot of speed uh you know has some some flashes as a passer pretty good finisher you know definitely not a good shooter at the moment but he'll be electric in summer league nonetheless uh, Pat, I don't know if you remember Mafundu Kabangele. Uh, you know, first round pick of the Clippers, 2019. You know, he was rumored to go in the lottery, ended up slipping, but really athletic, uh, athletic big man. You know, I think he's going to be a good guy who uh, 
has some intrigue making the roster, man. In the G League last year, he was over 40% from three, averaging 17 and nine. You know, I know it's the G League. There's obviously a big talent gap, but I think, you know, Camargo is going to look good at at Summer League, no question. Um, And then, you know, former Tennessee, you know, uh, teammate of Grant Williams, Jordan Bone. Uh, You know, he's a hard player, you know, kind of a dog, that dog mentality. So I think our Summer League team will be fun. Um, even if my guy Yamadar is not playing, sadly, but my guy Sam Hauser will be in the building, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, how how do you feel about Yamadar not not being there, man? I I feel like Listen. I feel like the tr- the ship on him is almost sailing away. Like it's, yeah, I don't know if he's just committed to wanting to be in the NBA as much as like he may think he want to be, and I also don't think you know at this point now how the Celtics roster is constructed that he can even find a way. And like I mean, he's a guard at the end of the day. Do you see him? getting any type of minutes over a smart, you know, Jalen Brown, uh, Brogdon, Derek White, or even Peyton Pritchard. Like, that's five guys right there. No, Jalen Payton would be the ones fighting for the roster spot, and I think right now I, – I, I don't think right now. Right now, Peyton has shown more in the NBA because Yamadar has shown nothing in the NBA. So, I think that, unfortunately, Yam was the guy I liked as that second-round drafting stash. Uh, but as far as him not playing in summer league, man, it doesn't really upset me because I know there's like international basketball going on and he has some games for Israel that he wants to participate in. So, you know, I totally understand that, you know, that aspect of it. But I do think the ship is getting close to sailing and I doubt we'll ever see Yamadar on the roster, as sad as that makes me say, because once upon a time I was a Yamadar believer. Um, and I still think he's going to be a solid player, but that might just be overseas. Um, yeah, and like you said, man, there wouldn't be really many minutes anyway, you know, Real, not a huge position for him to fit in on this team anyway. We're looking probably for a guy like Cabangale, or you know, I think we're we're gonna bring back Hauser, I assume. Um, you know, so we have a couple spots for two way contracts, but yeah, Jan, that ship probably sailed, man. Unfortunately, however, a draft and stash that has not yet sailed. Please forgive me if I butcher his name, Johan Begarin. Um, really physically, man, this guy athletically, you know, his frame, you know, his speed, his vert, all things like that. That looks like it was at an NBA level. Now, however, you know, a lot of the skill portions, the shooting, the dribbling, the handling did not look good, but I do think, that, you know, he looked good overseas, you know, this past season, so I could see him coming out and showing out in summer league and stealing one of the last couple of roster spots. That wouldn't, that wouldn't completely shock me. Yeah, and then you also got to take consideration. Celtics did sign um, Luke Cornett as well to another two-year deal. So uh, he he is happy for Luke. Happy for happy Luke. for Luke. Uh, but don't expect any type of role out of him personally. So if he's playing minutes, it's no, it's no, right no. concerning in the point of uh, some injuries or it's a blowout. So so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How much more confident would you be with with Boogie or Blake Griffin than Luke Cornett? That's- I think I'd be more confident because at least the veteranship that they bring is something, right? And like and they used to be, and, and, yeah, they had a role upon a time. Well, like even the veteranship in general, but also like you can't tell me that like Boogie goes out there and all of a sudden drops ten points in like three minutes, and that surprises you. Or Blake Griffin goes out there and drops like ten points in three minutes, right? And that doesn't shock you. Well, I, you I don't, don't see that being. In I don't see that as often in Luke Cornett as I do the other two. Yeah, you're being very kind. The way you but but I will say that Luke Cornett can definitely move on his feet way better than both of them, and he does not move on his feet well either. <laughs> right. No, I just I think my, basically my point is is like I I'm right there with you. Like I would be more confident rolling out Boogie than Luke Cornett. Right, no question. But to me, it's I think that a lot of the options, unless it's via trade through the TPE, a lot of the options are at least. They're all quite flawed. You get what I'm saying? I would say Thomas Bryant and, and Pirtle are the two guys who I'm keeping up on my on like the pedestal, right? Jakob especially. Um, but a lot of the other options are not going to be bringing too much to the Celtics, truth be told. So like that's why I'm kind of saying I wonder if Brad, you know, pushes that just down the road a little bit, sees what materializes. Um, sees, you know, maybe he thinks just Grant and Gallo are going to take minutes at the five and, you know, Luke Cornett with two minutes, Trayvon Williams with a minute, you know, something like that. You know, I don't think that's likely, but I'm just curious. I wonder how much of a priority it is, you know, time-wise for the Celtics to bring that guy in. I just don't want people sitting on the edge of their seats 
you know, oh, when are we going to bring in Thomas? When are we going to trade for Jakob? Well, it might be a little while. That's all. No, absolutely. And and also, like, the, there's still a lot of offseason to go, man. There's a lot of opportunities for the Celtics to fill out their roster. The thing is, there's no rush to it. But as the roster is constructed, man, they're prepared to to get back to the NBA Finals and and really compete for a championship. And there's a reason why Vegas thinks they're the, the favorites now. And it's because of the moves that they made. Um, there is still a lot of, you know, tough teams out there. We know that Philly made a lot of good moves so far as well. Uh, we know the Bucks are are looking to you know reclaim the Eastern Conference uh, in general with you know getting Chris Middleton back being healthy, and you got the Warriors on the West Coast. You know they're tooling up to you know repeat again, and then you got the the Lakers. You know possibly back uh, with some LeBron and AD. And the news broke today. I guess the Nets and them are engaged in some current talks with uh, a trade revolving around West Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving and. You can't knock the, you know, last time we seen LeBron and Kyrie together, you know, they were able to win a championship in Cleveland. So that's also a, a very interesting scenario kind of brewing up. So teams just are, are looking to to attack and pounce next year and, and have a real opportunity at the championship. And you don't even mention the two number one seeds from last season, like the Suns and the Heat are also kind of like dark horses right now as themselves. So uh, a lot of competition that the Celtics are trying to, uh, live up to and, and keep to sustain so they have an opportunity here for this window to win some championships. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think, you know, so far Brad Stevens has done a wonderful job, you know, just turning around the roster over the last 20 odd months and really turning, you know, what was it? A, ro- a roster with promise, but limited, you know, I would say limited ta- – I don't want to say talent. Talent doesn't feel like the right word, but just limited production, you know, with good potential. And he turned it into a roster with plenty of potential and plenty of production. So shout-out to Brad Stevens, man. Also, got to say, shout-out to Danny Ainge. Still doing his thing. Five picks from the Timberwolves, four of which are unprotected. You would thought teams uh, would learn their lesson from getting fleeced by Danny Ainge. Not that that trade was a fleece. In my opinion, it's just four unprotected first-round picks is scary, scary business in today's day and age. Uh, but shout out to Danny Ainge, man, for making that shake. But really, shout out to Brad Stevens for, you know, being that galaxy brain president of basketball operations that we really needed in the building. I think he's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, man. Overall, we just gotta give praise to Brad Stevens, and I'm really excited to see what Eme does with the new additions to the teams. I, I think there's gonna be moments, you know, instead of going seven man deep in the roster, you know, during like tough times and playoff times. I think he really has the ability now to go to eight, nine guys deep. And that's a lot more uh, pressure off of Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown to play as many minutes, you know, throughout the year. So that's also something to be talked about. And also like uh, this is a team now way it's constructed. There's no way reason this team should start off the season in the first half. Like they did last season. Like they shouldn't be fighting for, you know, they should be the 11th seed around the all-star break, you know? And I think that's something that's going to be huge because you talk about how Tatum and Brown had some of the most minutes played throughout the whole entire season, including playoffs and postseason, but also just regular season in general. And Tatum led the league in, in minutes played in the regular season. So um, just, just looking at that, you want to try to reduce that as much as possible so that your, your stars stay fresh and you see them, really excel and play more minutes in the playoffs when you really need them instead of, you know, trying to fight for those seeds at the end of the year. I think that's going to also bode well for the Celtics by, you know, making these additions and also having a lot of the return guys. So I'm, I'm excited to see uh, this team play. I'm, I'm already excited for next season. I, know. I, wish next it was season October. I wish it was October already, man, but we got to watch some summer league first. You know, we got to watch the WNBA, you know, top 10, my sky are about to go back to back. So, Thank God the WNBA is during the summertime, so I have some quality basketball to hold me over until October rolls around. But, Pat, I am – I'm jonesing, honestly. I, like I texted you yesterday, I'm like, I might run this team on 2K. I might make a couple of trades, you know, and then even get Yaka Pertle in the building see what that looks like on 2K because I want to see how it looks so badly. But, uh, you know, I'm right there with you, man. I I wish it was I wish it was October 1st or whatever, whatever the start date is for the NBA season, but – you know, we got a few here, a few months left here, and Pat and I are going to be along with everybody every week, you know, multiple times a week here until we get to see, uh, you know, the NBA season tip off again, man. 
Yes, sir. And uh, thank you guys so much again for stopping by. Make sure you guys head over to Twitter and you guys can follow me at Ball and Opinions. You can follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer. You can also follow the show at Sports Ethos Celtics um, to get anything um, Celtics related tweeted out. And also head over to Spotify um, Live where we actually record our rooms live. Uh, Lucas and I come on here. We talk with people. I opened the you know show today, you know, probably like two hours before, and and talked with a bunch of people, which has some discussions that aren't always Celtics related. So if you're a basketball fan, you know we love to discuss basketball with you as well. Um, but also head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. We appreciate all the support and love. Yep, echo everything Pat says. Appreciate everybody who shows up live. Everybody who downloads. You know, everybody who shares with their family, anybody, anybody who rates, you know, reviews. We appreciate it all. Come join us on Spotify Live if you want to. Absolutely love to break it down. We had a pretty hilarious conversation pre-show today about the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, And, you know, we usually like to talk Celtics, but, you know, it gets off the rails a little bit sometimes. But make sure you come join us here. If not, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, sportsethos.com, however you listen to your podcast. You can find us. And uh, I think that does it for me, Pat. Look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully, uh, uh, you know, with uh, happy 4th of July, by the way. Hope you celebrate this weekend. Um, and hopefully we're talking about the addition of Yucca Purtle next week, Patrick. <laughs> yes, sir. And also, real quick, I just wanted to shout out happy birthday to Derek White, um, you know, new father. Wonderful day uh, for Derek White. So happy to have him uh, celebrate another year around the planet, man. Congratulations to Derek White and his birthday. Happy birthday, Derek White. All right, we out. Peace.